the Saudi football podcast after a week we could argue is one of the most significant in the history of the game for the kingdom with me as always is our new sports editor Ali Khalid to discuss the latest action on the pitch and oh what action it is and of course the latest developments of it of course in addition we have our man Khalid Al-Arafa to give us his latest report from the Riyadh Jeddah Classica okay but Ali there's only one place to start this week so take it away Hi, Peter. Good to be back, mate. Uh, yes, of course. On October 31st, it was all but confirmed that Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. Uh, wow. After Australia, yeah. I mean, Australia, the only other candidates withdrew from the bidding process on deadline day. Uh, this mm. is, of course, massive news for Saudi Arabia and for Arab football. Uh, the World Cup will be returning to the region 12 years after it was held in Qatar, you know. Um, and um, look, we must highlight, however, that this is not an official confirmation yet. It is pending a ratification of the bid by FIFA in the, in the coming months. We expect it possibly by the end of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Saudi officials, uh, uh, you know, uh, while delighted, of course, uh, have been keen to pinpoint that. You know, that there are still a process to go through here. You know, they will, you know, obviously about uh, uh, and many things to discuss. You know, st- stadiums. Um, the timing, timing of the World Cup as well. Obviously, we know that in Qatar it was uh, it was Winter World Cup. Uh, so, um, again, you know, quite a, quite a lot to discuss. But I mean, look, it's uh, it's fantastic news. Uh, you know, all things uh, you know going to plan. This should con- in Saudi Arabia should be confirmed. And uh, again, fantastic news. Uh, um, uh, but um, look, it's it's part of like obviously the big. Uh, it's the end point, I suppose, of like. Uh, or a, or a massive endpoint for what's been going on in, in Saudi football, the, the football revolution, we've been calling it. Uh, we know about the influx of top stars joining the SPL. Of course, that's brought a lot of eyes onto Saudi football in a way and a legitimacy that, uh, you know, maybe wasn't there before. Uh, and, you know, there is the FIFA Club World Cup in Jeddah, which takes place in December. This December. So again, you know, that's, that's a pretty big step. And uh, the AFC Asian Cup in 2027 to look forward to as well. That's uh, yeah. Look, I wouldn't say it's a trial run for the World Cup because it's still some years away, uh, and also uh, it's a huge tournament in its own right. But it's it's uh, it's a chance for Saudi Arabia to you know start building up like the, the infrastructure, the the stadiums, having these massive tournaments, bringing the world to Saudi Arabia for the for these big tournaments. The, the, you know, the players that come here, the fans uh, that come uh, to Saudi Arabia, I should say, they that go to Saudi Arabia, the uh, the, the teams, you know, will get to. Uh, you know, we'll get a taste of the facilities, of the stadiums, of the culture of, of the football that uh, that's in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so, you know, great news all around. You know, like, obviously, this is a story that we'll be following very closely. And uh, as we said, still pending a ratification, but that should come in the coming months. It's interesting what you say, Ali, but it is. It's a chance to, you know, for the kingdom to sample big tournament life. And, you know, again, with, with tourism, such, it's such an epic time to, to be a part of this journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, we know over the last few years, 
uh, just, you know, sporting and cultural revolution that's happening in, in Saudi Arabia, you know, has brought a lot of m- big events. You know, we, we, we've spoken about motorsports, in particular Dakar, the, the Grand Prix Formula E, you know, there's a lot of that, you know, there's the Saudi uh, uh, Cup uh, horse racing. You know, we've spoken about all the, the, you know, the golf tournaments and all that, you know, but, uh, and, uh, and obviously, like, it, this summer's transfer window and Cristiano Ronaldo coming out has like taken football to a whole new level. But we have to remember that you know before any of these big sporting events happened, you know football was the one constant, was the one you know Absolutely. you know was always uh, Saudi's uh, biggest sport anyway. And now, but as you mentioned, it's a good point that you know perhaps there hasn't been that many tournaments that took place in Saudi, you know, and like now that's changing and changing fast. So. Yeah. Change it for the better. Okay, listen, hate to bring everyone back down to earth because we're dreaming of World Cups and, and major tournaments and visitors, but we do have to get back and roll our sleeves up, Ali, and get on with a bit of uh, domestic duty because there was a lot of uh, action um, last week. What, what was your highlights? Yeah, so you know, on, on our last pod, we had discussed because our, our last episode came in the middle of a um uh, a round of matches. We had discussed mm. the Champions League has recent disappointing form. They had just drawn two-two with Al with Al Hazm, uh, but you know, following that, there was no let off from the two team informed teams at the moment, Al Nasser and uh, Al leaders Al Etihad. Al Nasser won three-one at Faiha, which is not an yeah. easy game, you know, Pete. Like I know you no, know people at, at Faiha, you know, it's it's not an easy place to go to. So that was a good, good, really good result for Al Nasser. Uh, two goals from uh, the old boy Taliska and one by new boy Otavio. Taliska has been in wonderful form. He's been absolutely brilliant alongside Cristiano Ronaldo and Sadio Mane, of course. And uh, you know, Al, Al Nasser, you know, having started the season with two defeats, are now in second place. As we said, they, you know, like last week, we predicted that, uh, you know, there's a good chance they, they, they're going to end the weekend in second place, and they have. Uh, it's now nine without defeat, eight wins in nine. Uh, fantastic form by Al Nasser. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo is flying at the moment. Taliska's mm-hmm. playing brilliantly. Sadio Mane is chipping in with assists and goals. It's looking very, very good for uh, for Al Nasser, but. Al Hilal remained top after beating Al Ahli 3-1 uh, in that much discussed Saudi Classico. We, we spoke about it uh, at length last week, and it lived up to the high beat. Uh, an excellent match, which uh, and which our man Khalid was at, and we spoke to Khalid Al Arafa earlier about it. Hi Ali, hi Peter, how are you guys? Another Classico took place this week. Uh, this time it was Al Hilal against Al Ahli in Riyadh, in an amazing match with a lot of goals. Al Hilal won 3-1. Uh, thanks to Savic, uh, he was the man of the match. He scored uh, the first goal in the first minute. Then Mitrovic uh, scored from a penalty kick. And the third goal for Al-Hilal, it was uh, an own goal uh, by the defender of Al-Ahli. Al-Ahli's goal came by Maximan. Uh, it was a tough game. We were expecting a lot, honestly, from Al-Ahli, but this is the way it is. I spoke to, I did an interview with uh, Mendy, the goalkeeper of Al-Ahli. I asked him about the result. And if he has any explanation about that, he said, we had our plan. Unfortunately, we could not start the match with our plan. Everything changed. Uh, The first goal changed everything. We were trying, but the third goal just killed the match. We need to focus more. We need to do a lot of work to come back. Uh, We need to fight in the field. Uh, At the end of the day, it was uh, such a great uh, day for Al-Hilalis and uh, a bad day for Al-Ahli. But... As a Classico Ali, it was really one of the best Classicos so far, including Al-Ahli and Al-Nasr and Al-Hilal Al-Ittihad. Uh, until the next week, Ali, I'll get back to you.
Thanks to Khaled, as always. Uh, Ali, would you say the table and the title fight maybe is, ta- is starting to take uh, shape now? Yeah, look, I mean, certainly the two best teams, two best, two most consistent teams are in first and second at Tomo. You know, we can't rule out champions that they had just yet uh, at this stage of the season. But Nuno Santo is under a bit of pressure now. Uh, and if you ask most fans, they'll agree that it looks like it'll you know, this season is developing into a two-horse race between Al-Hilal and Nasser. Um, um, look, it, it, they, they are clearly the two uh, informed teams, as we mentioned. And if you had to pick, I mean, most people would pick one of those two. Uh, al had 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 a lot of backers at, at the start of the season, but, you know, it, it has been very, very inconsistent from them. Al-Ahli with, with the best will in the world, you know, like we say, the top four, you know, they, they, they are great to watch. We love watching them. Uh, we love their mm-hmm. forward line. And all that. But, uh, you know, they, they had just come up. So, you know, not really one of the favorites, would say. Um, yeah, I would say at the moment, Al-Hilal and Al-Nasser uh, are the two. But, you know, we, we talk about like the, the table t- taking shape, uh, Pete, and it certainly is. But, and this is very important here, once again, we have to mention the sensational seasons that Al-Ta'awun and Al-Fatah are having. Now they are in third and fourth, respectively. We've spoken about Al-Ta'awun quite a lot. Al-Fatah, you know, are in fourth place. Uh, you know, these two are the real feel-good stories of the season so far. So it's great to see as well. Good for the league as well, to be fair, to, to, to push to push our boys. Let's say our much fancied boys, but it's great to see them being pushed. Listen, AK, there was also action in round 16, last 16 of the Kings Cup in midweek. Yeah. Yeah. No major surprises, Peter. I mean, you know, uh, Al-Hilal cruised past Al-Hazm 3-0. Al-Shabaab beat Al-Fatih 1-0. You know, again, you know, you'd expect them possibly to do that at home. Uh, Al-Etihad you know, we, we've spoken about their poor league form, but they put that behind them. They won 3 0 at Al Fayha, which again, we said, you know, wasn't easy. So uh, that's a good result. I think it takes a little bit of pressure off uh, the team and coach uh, Nuno Santo. And Al Tawan beat Al Wahda 2 0. Um, but most eyes probably on Al Nasser against Al Ittifaq, uh, you know, which ended up being a really good game, Pete. You know, very a stormy match, if you want. Uh, uh, yeah. a, lot of con- a lot of controversy. Sadio Mane scored the goal in extra time in the 107th minute. Uh, despite Al Nasser playing with 10 men after Tariska sending off uh, in the first half. First half stoppage time, actually. Uh, but, you know, Etifak, you know, played the, the, the second half with, uh, you know, with a man advantage. But they had a player, Ali Hazazi, sent off at, right at the end of the match. It, it was a decision that left Steven Gerrard really unhappy. He was very unhappy in the, uh, his press conference. He actually he, said... He wasn't the only one, was he? No, he wasn't. You know, it was. Did, it was a strange... did, did I see Mr. Ronaldo asking for the uh, a, a substitution of the referee? <laughs> no, I mean it was. Uh, so you know, Gerard was basically saying, um, since he started as a player, this was one of the worst decisions he's ever seen, which is a you know big statement, you know, but shows how angry he was. And he's actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, the morning after the match, he, he you know he hasn't let it go. He's saying like. I'd like to hear what happened in VAR to come to that decision. So, not happy. But look, I mean, you know, we expected Al Nasser to win, possibly at home. But, uh, but you know, just just because you know that was what was expected, doesn't mean that it was not a controversial decision. It's, as a man who knows the rivalry well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna defer across across the globe. Did that? Did, did that particular fixture carry a little bit of Liverpool Manchester United grudge? It could, it could be, it could be. I mean, I know, like they, they're 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 all uh, uh, some of these players, certainly probably Gerrard and and uh, 
the Liverpool contingent and Tifak probably playing play down this. You know, they they want to show that you know this is not an old boys club. You know, this is them taking this seriously, and certainly Gerard is. You know, so uh, but I mean, I can, you know, you can't help but thinking. You know, you think. That, uh, that, yeah, that, would, it, that would carry in any any league, Ali. Not, absolutely. Not no, no, absolutely no. Yeah, Whether absolutely. I mean, Italy or Spain or that. There's always there's always that little bit of previous. Um, oh, ab- ab- absolutely. On. No, absolutely, Peter. I mean, like let's put it this way. You know, this fixture two years ago wouldn't would not have had that added, uh, you know, uh, spice, shall we say, of having these uh, you know former uh, uh, Premier League players, former internationals there. You know, it's uh, well. Cristiano's case still an international, of course. Uh, so, uh, but listen, you know, again, you know, like Al Nasser seem to be finding ways, you know, whenever they've come up against the difficult situations. Uh, you know, if it's not Cristiano who's leading, obviously the charge um, on all fronts. You know, Talisca, as we mentioned, and in in the cup, Mane have come through for them. So also on on the same day that uh, the Saudi World Cup bid was all but confirmed, you know, you know, another great piece of news for for Saudi Arabia, Salim Al Dosri of Al Hilal was named um, the Asian Footballer of the Year. Uh, a great achievement. Obviously, the world remembers him for that great goal against Argentina, uh, the winning goal against Argentina in the World Cup. He also scored against Mexico. If you remember, uh, you know, Saudi lost that match when, and were eliminated. But we remember him as someone, of course, who's been brilliant for years and, um, uh, you know, central part of Al-Hilal's dominance at home and in Asia over the last few years. It's a great time to bring in um, our old friend, Paul Williams, uh, Asian football expert uh, from Australia. Paul, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, Ali. How are you, buddy? I'm really well. Great to have you again. We're always happy to have you to to discuss uh, Saudi football and Asian football. Quite a lot to go through today. First of all, start off with Salim Al Dosri. I know you're a big fan. What do you think of the nomination? Yeah, I've been a fan of of Salim's for a, a number of years now. I think when you looked at the three players that were nominated for the award, of course, Salim uh, Al Mawazali from Qatar and, and Matthew Leckie from from here in Australia. I think when you looked at the respective eighteen months that they had over the the qualifying period, it was hard to go past Salim Al Dosri and what he had achieved. Um, there was the the Asian Champions League success. With Al Halal, they of course made it to the, the Club World Cup final as well, uh, scoring twice at a World Cup. The worldie to win, as you said, uh, to, against Argentina that really put his name on the international map. He was well known here in Asia already for his exploits, not only with with Al Halal, um, but with with the Saudi national team, sort of continentally within Asia as well. But that that goal certainly put him uh, on on the global stage and. As I said, when when you looked at what he had achieved over that period, um, he was absolutely a, a deserving and 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 worthy winner and a fine accolade for him to, to add to a, a glittering career that he's already had. No, absolutely, Paul. Look, I mean, we're all great fans. Because I know you and I have spoken about him in the past. Uh, as you say, very well known in Asia. Him and Salman Al Faraj have been, you know, brilliant over the la- the last few years. Obviously, there's mm. been some great players uh, who performed. Uh, you know, you know, Son obviously for South Korea, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Matthew Leckie in Australia. Uh, but you know, I think this is well deserved, and yeah, great piece of news, and happened on the same day as well, which brings us, uh, you know, nicely to uh, the, the the nomination. Obviously, slight disappointment in Australia, your country, Paul, where you know they were the other, mm. uh, uh, you know. They pulled out of the of the bidding process, but you know, as anyone who's 
listen to your podcast, the Asian game, uh, Paul. You know, we know you're a big fan of Asian football. You're a big fan of uh, uh, Middle East football. You're, you're constantly like called for sort of like strong integration from the Australians and uh, in in Asian football. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, while there must be disappointment, you know, th- there's also going to be like a lot of positives, uh, I feel, uh, from your side about what this might mean to the to the region and to Asia. Of course, I mean, to have a, another World Cup in Asia again is fantastic for the region. It's only the third time that, that Asia will host uh, a World Cup. Of course, we've had Japan and Korea 2002, uh, of course, Qatar 2022 as well. So to have the... The, the World Cup back here in, in Asia again. It's, it's fantastic for, uh, for Asian football to be put on that stage. It's fantastic for, for golf football again to, to be put on that stage. Yeah, there's a very a, a buoyant mood here in Australia after the, the staggering success of the Women's World Cup that, you know, we can host these tournaments in Australia and be a successful host of these tournaments and you know football australia were very open in expressing their interest in in hosting more major events they had highlighted three that they were targeting being the the 2026 uh, women's asian cup which ironically enough pits australia against saudi arabia again um the 2029 club world cup uh, the expanded club world cup 32 team format for that one and the, the 2034 um fifa world cup and they had had preliminary discussions with some other nations in Southeast Asia. I know Indonesia in particular they've been speaking to for the last four or five years about a potential joint bid. And, of course, they've got the experience from from hosting with New Zealand as well. So whether New Zealand and Oceania got dragged into that or whether Australia went on their own with with some partners in, in Southeast Asia, um, there was some confidence that, you know, Australia could put together a successful bid. Um, but when the news came through of, um, the, the deal that had been done for, for 2030, which allowed Asia to, to come through and host 2034 and the readiness of, of Saudi Arabia's bid, um, I think it became evident that it would be foolish to go up against the, the Saudi Arabian bid. Um, it, it would, it would, given the, the support that Saudi Arabia had had, um, you know, the AFC came out straight away and said that, you know, the Saudi Arabian bid has the full support of, of AFC. We've seen member nation after member nation throw their support behind uh, the, the Saudi Arabian bid. And, and probably the death knell really was the, the potential partners that Australia had in Southeast Asia, the likes of Malaysia, Indonesia had come out and put their support behind the, the Saudi Arabian bid and, Australia is not big enough to be able to go it alone for a 48-team, 104-game World Cup. We just don't have the available stadiums, infrastructure, cities to be able to host such a tournament. So uh, the, the writing was on the was on the wall. So it was as disappointing as it is from an Australian point of view. I think they are better placed to put their efforts into trying to get those other two tournaments, the Women's Asian Cup and, and the Club World Cup, which will both be enormous events in their own right. And, of course, Australia's got the 2032 Olympics as well. So there's Olympic football in there. So there's there's no shortage of major football events coming up uh, in Australia over over the next decade. The, the World Cup would have been the cherry on top of, uh, of a very delicious cake. Um, but perhaps we'll just have to wait a little bit longer to put that cherry on. Um, who knows what will happen down the track. But uh, I think uh, it, it, it's Saudi Arabia's... World Cup now, um, and I think Asia will all get behind that. That's great, Paul. Uh, Paul, I mean, for me, one of the best things about 
the World Cup in Qatar. I know you were there last year and you were there, I think, for uh, at Lusail Stadium when Saudi Arabia beat mm. Argentina. For me, one of the best things about the World Cup was actually seeing stadiums full of, you know, fans from the region, you know, like Arab fans from the region. One of the things I've always said is that this was the first time you see stadiums, you know, full of Tunisian fans, full of Moroccan fans, full of Saudi fans, you know, uh, Arab uh, supporters from the region who, tra- who's, for them, the travel was not as much of an issue. In the past, you know, where, whenever it's been in South America or or, uh, or Europe, you know, you, you watch games and when Arab, when Arab nations play and, it's just like, you know, a few hundred fans here and there, you know, and, and this was the first time we see like, you know, Saudi Arabia would score a goal or Morocco would score a goal and the whole stadium would erupt. Great scenes and great for the fans, you know. I mean, this has got, for me, it's one of the most important. Tell us a little bit about like, because you experienced it in, in Qatar and obviously with an expanded World Cup by the time it comes in 2034, it's a long time away, but, uh, you know, this surely is like another major positive for uh, you know to bring to the uh, why bring it to the region is fantastic for the fans uh, it's incredible i mean the the atmosphere being there in qatar last year was was a special one because i haven't been to to previous world cups but it felt like this was a very different world cup this felt like a a, a an an arab world cup for the arab world that the rest of you know the rest of the world was invited to whereas you know previous world cups in in different parts of the world um the 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 atmosphere you you knew what you were going to get but this was a very the atmosphere on the ground was was very different um and in the stadiums as well you know you walked through Sukhwakif in the evening and there was Moroccan fans Tunisian fans Algerian fans even though Algeria didn't qualify Saudi fans everywhere and and they created an atmosphere that was incredibly unique and I think that's what made the World Cup in Qatar so so special and so different it, it, it differentiated it from from other World Cups that had been in the past and now the Arab world gets to have that celebration again they're going to have it in Morocco in 2030 they're going to have it in Saudi Arabia in, in 2034 so you know three out of the next four World Cups, if you include Qatar, are going to be held in, in the Arab world, which I think is incredible for for that part of the world. And you, and you mentioned the expanded World Cup, the opportunity that then that affords, because as I said, there were Algerian fans everywhere in, in Qatar, even the, despite the fact they didn't actually qualify. In a 48-team World Cup, you would expect them to qualify. You would expect Egypt to qualify. Um, the Emirates perhaps could qualify as well. Other um, golf nations from within Asia. It could even become a bigger celebration of golf and Arab culture with all these extra teams qualifying as well. So um, it, it it stands to be a, a pretty special tournament for, for Arab football when it's held in Saudi Arabia. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. I, I, like, listen, I just... Uh, I wanted to uh, finish off on uh, a few comments on the AFC uh, Champions League matches that are coming. I know it's a competition, again, to keep the Asia theme going. I know it's a competition you keep a, an eye on, uh, you know, very keenly. Um, you, you speak about it in your podcast. And obviously, we've got, the, the you know, the, the Western zone with all the Saudi uh, um, involvement. But we've got, obviously, the Eastern zone as well with, with you know, your, um, um, you know, Australian teams, of course, um, playing there. First of, first up, just very quickly on, uh, and we touched on this before. I think Al Hilal, Hilal, uh, um, you know, we mentioned quite a few times. You know, they've got to be one of, uh, you know, alongside Al Nasser, favorites or two of the favorites. Um, okay, a few, a few comments on Al Hilal going to Mumbai as well. I know you've got a few views on that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's such a shame that Neymar picked up the injury when he did because I'd spoken to some some people in in involved at, at Mumbai City Football Club and the excitement that they had for the fact that Neymar was going to be coming in and playing in India was just, it was palpable. They were, they showed some celebrations when the draw was done of the, the entire team celebrating when they were drawn to play against Neymar. It had generated such excitement. They'd moved it to a bigger stadium. Tickets were flying off the shelves. And then unfortunately Neymar goes to, to pick up that injury. And that's, it's just a real shame. Um, and Al Halal will be far too strong in that. We saw the six draw result. Um, when they played um, in Riyadh the other week. Um, I'd expect something similar when they travel to, to Mumbai. The, the game of the week for me um, is is going to be the reverse of Aldehale versus Al Nasser. The, the first leg that they had in, in Riyadh a couple of weeks ago, a, a 4-3 thriller um, with some spectacular goals from Ronaldo. Um, the reverse leg promises to be just as exciting when you look at some of the names that are involved and you've got Ronaldo Brozovic, Sadio Mane, Michael Alunga, Almoez Ali, Philip Coutinho. I mean, this is this is what the Champions League, the potential of the Champions League is, is these all these mega stars from, from different parts of Asia coming together and, and playing against each other. Um, Alder Hale have moved this to, to the Khalifa Stadium, the big the biggest stadium there in Doha. I understand it's probably pretty much going to be close to a sellout as well. Um, and if it's anything as half as good as what the, uh, the the first leg was between them as when it finished 4-3, then that's going to be an absolute cracker. So that's probably the game I'm most looking forward to um, in this this upcoming round of matches to see what uh, what Al Nasser and Al Dahail do because Dahail actually need a win. Um, they've, they've started the Champions League. They haven't won any of their three games. They're a team, we saw them get smashed by Al Halal um, in the semifinals last year. They're a team that should be making that stage of the competition. So to go winless in their first three, the pressure's really on them because if they lose this, they're, well, they're out. There's there's no way they could recover from there. So they need a win in this game. Uh, Al Nasser will want to continue their winning form. So that's yeah, that shapes up to be an absolute blockbuster. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. Al Nasser have been absolutely brilliant recently. You know, uh, Ronaldo's flying. We keep mentioning it. Sadio Mane, Taliska, they're all playing well. So we're really looking forward to that. One very quick uh, final message, uh, Paul. On the, on the you know, the, the Eastern zone uh, in Asia, you know, like, who are your favourites? Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to say at this point in time because... There's there's fluctuations in in form um, between the teams, and I think the fact that it this was the the issue in West Asia, but now that they've switched the seasons, the fact that it's going to cross over seasons, so the group stage will be completed, and then East Asia will go into its off season. So entirely different squads, entirely different teams, could be new coaches by the time the knockout stages come around. Who knows what type of situation those clubs are are going to be uh, are going to be in um, you're going to have the likes of of Ulsan you're going to have the likes of Rarawa that you would expect to be up there as well Kawasaki Frontale despite their struggles in the J League this season they're looking good in the Champions League as well i suspect it's going to be a, a, a japanese or a korean club um, that gets through I, I struggle to see the the chinese clubs making any kind of imprint on this competition uh, melbourne city are doing well um, uh, they're undefeated so far, uh, two wins and a draw. Um, they should make it through to the knockout rounds, but I don't know, again, if I can see them going any deeper than that. So I suspect it's going to be a, a Japanese or a Korean club. And, um, yeah, the, the likes of right. Ulsan or Pohang, Kawasaki, Urawa, I suspect it's maybe going to come from one of those four. 
Fantastic stuff as always, Paul. Thank you so much, mate. Wow, yeah, it's all happening and it's set to go again this weekend, Ali. So what have we got to look forward to uh, this weekend? So yeah, back to SPL action. Uh, Al-Shabaab, welcome Al-Ittihad. Another one of those Riyadh versus Jeddah clashes. Neither club has been consistent, as we've said many times this uh, this season. Uh, so it could actually even be a very good game. It could be quite an entertaining match. I think Al-Ittihad really would need to like... <clears throat> turn their form around if they are to stay in the title as quickly as possible. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that could be quite exciting. Uh, Al Nasser, I expect to get a comfortable three points at home against Khalij, really. I mean, I can't see anything other than that, you know. Um, the most interesting match of the weekend, Pete, is is probably Al-Hilal's visit to Al-Fatah, who, as we mentioned earlier, are, for, are in fourth place now. Um, you know, it, it's... Um, they're having a wonderful season, as are uh, Altao, uh, we, who we also mentioned earlier. Uh, look, we hear that there's been unprecedented demand for tickets for this, for this particular fixture. Obviously, you know, Al-Hilal coming to town is always big news, but you know, this is the first trip for Al-Hilal uh, since, the, obviously, everything that's happened in the summer. And, of course, you know, Al-Fatah in fourth place. You know, this is, it, it looks to be like an, a really, really big game. Um, I'm so pleased for fans of like, of, of Al-Fatah, you know, again, you know, they, you know, they're, you know, they are there, but they're not just like a sideshow for the big, for the big boys, you know, they're in fourth place themselves on merit. And also look, you know, like you, you're getting teams like Al-Fatah, Hataun and Ittifaq and others, uh, you know, they're getting eyes on them that they wouldn't have had before, you know, this interest in the Saudi league, you know, obviously focused on these, on the big clubs, on the big players. But, you know, one of the positives is that all these uh, uh, other clubs get to play against these top players, get to have their moments as well, you know, uh, you know, really experiencing uh, top quality football against the, these players, you know, so it's not just, uh, they're not just a sideshow. And in Al-Fatah's case, like I said, being in fourth place, you know, that for me is the best fixture of the uh, of the week. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Me too. What I'm looking forward to is you giving us a prediction. <laughs> As usual. Uh, yeah. You know, unfortunately, after all that, I, I can't see anything but uh, um, uh, a win for uh, Al-Hilal. It would have been a lovely story, or it would be a lovely story, I should say, it should Al-Fatih win, you know. I'm not taking sides here. Uh, but mm. look, Al-Hilal are on form. Uh, I don't think they're going to let... Uh, um, let's step at this point uh, I'll go 3-1 to Al-Hilal Okay a whole win for Al-Fatner it is then uh, after <laughs> Ali's prediction brilliant uh, to have you with us as always uh, to, be, to be fair you are getting back on track with uh, becoming the prediction king again and uh, yeah I think it would take some doing but you never know with that big atmosphere that's going to be created one thing is for sure uh, two things are for sure one, it's going to be a great game with a great atmosphere. And two, is that we'll be back next week for another edition of Dowry. Uh, until then, take care. And whoever your team is, we wish you the best of luck this weekend. Mm-hmm.